Welcome to Catholic Living, a podcast that seeks to be a user's guide to the Catholic faith, where we boldly ask, what if this stuff is all true? How then should we live? This is brought to you by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Tom Hoops. I'm writer in residence here at the college, and you can read what I write at alatea.org or at excorde.org. The rosary is my favorite prayer, a marvelous prayer, marvelous in its simplicity and its depth. That's what um, Pope John Paul II said. Padre Pio calls it a weapon. He says over and over again, we should take up this weapon. Uh, Lots and lots of saints, lots and lots of people talk about how wonderful the rosary is. And yet it can be really hard to pray the rosary. (laughs) Really, really, really hard. Uh, It's easy for it to be dry. It's easy for it to get repetitive. So what I want to share today are ways to make the rosary not so difficult, to make the rosary something that you can enjoy, something that you can understand, something that can be a, a vital part of your prayer life. But I want to start out by admitting that it's really, really hard. And in fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you 10 ways to make the rosary more of a joy in your life and less of a chore. And the first way is to kind of embrace the fact that it's hard, right? The first way to make the rosary easier is to offer it up. I remember a priest once telling me that every day we must take up the daily cross of our prayers. Okay, so prayer is wonderful. It really does unite you with God. It really does fill you with peace. But it's also really, really hard a lot of the time. So to get into the habit of prayer means to embrace something that's very difficult. It means picking up a cross. And the rosary for many people can be a real cross. Uh, Benedict XVI said that he prayed the rosary his whole life with his family and that it was always really, really hard for him. It never came easily for Benedict XVI, and yet he did it every day. You know, there's lots of stuff that's really, really hard for us that we nonetheless find ourselves doing, right? Uh, Having conversations with customers, having a conversation with your wife where you have to go through all the details of the coming week can be difficult. Uh, Going through your budget can be difficult. These are all very difficult things that we actually do. And the rosary can be a difficult thing, but it can also be a difficult thing that we actually do. So one way to do it is to offer it up, literally offer the rosary, the fact that you're praying the rosary, the difficulty of praying the rosary up for a particular intention, uh, for something that's been uh, a terrible thing in your life that you want to address or a terrible thing in a friend's life that you want to address. So having uh, a reason that you're offering up the rosary is good, and obviously having intentions for the rosary are good also. I talked earlier about how my family became extremely committed to the rosary starting with the September 11 tragedy, where Pope John Paul II urged Catholics to pray the rosary every day. Uh, Well, he ended up kind of adding more and more reasons to pray the rosary as more and more things went afoul in the world. And shortly before he died, he said, the family is under attack as never before, and we need to take up the rosary to defend the family. So you know what? I mean, if you picture the world as uh, this you know, attack led by Satan against the family and Padre Pio with his weapon, the rosary, you can imagine yourself getting in line with him and becoming part of the defense of the family. And that's really an image that's 
true, that's real. That's what you're actually doing when you pray the rosary. I remember reading in the Weekly Standard, an old political magazine in Washington, D.C., where a writer wrote, maybe the single most important person in the 20th century's long struggle against communism wasn't Ronald Reagan. Maybe it wasn't Carol Wotia or Margaret Thatcher or Lech Valenza or Vaclav Havel, Alexander Solzhenitsyn or Mikhail Gorbachev. He said, maybe the most important person in the fight against communism in the 20th century was Lucia dos Santos, right? This is one of the shepherd girls who saw Our Lady of Fatima. And Our Lady of Fatima said to pray the rosary every day, to to pray the rosary every day for the conversion of Russia. So she and a number of people did, and famously, it worked. The rosary may be your favorite prayer, like Pope John Paul II, or it may be a chore, like it was for Benedict XVI. Pray it anyway. As Pope John Paul II himself said, prayer joined to sacrifice constitutes the most powerful force in human history. We learned that here in Benedictine College when we started a memorary army for religious freedom. What we were doing was praying for the little sisters of the poor who are taking on the contraceptive mandate that was imposed under the Obama administration. And I thought, well, this is nice. We're calling people to prayer, and hopefully their hearts will be closer to God. But I didn't really expect the little sisters of the poor to win in their battle against the federal government. Well, they did. (laughs) It reminded me that uh, we shouldn't sell Our Lady or God short when it comes to prayer and grace. So that's one way to make the rosary a little bit easier, embrace the difficulty, offer it up. A second way is to picture the mysteries, all right? Actually form an image in your brain of the mysteries. Now, a lot of the tips I'll be sharing today come from Pope John Paul II himself in his letter on the rosary. And this is one that he talks about early and often in the letter. He says, actually look at a picture of the mystery, and it can make the experience of saying the mystery much better. Now, it used to be really hard to do that. You'd have to find a picture. You'd have to find a way to reproduce it, make sure it's where you are going to be with your rosary at the time that you're praying the rosary. But it's not very hard anymore. With smartphones, all you have to do is type the uh, name of the mystery in, find what picture you like, and and look at that picture while you pray. Often though, I what I do is I just imagine the pictures in my mind, right? You can imagine uh, the picture of the particular mystery you're praying, or what might be easier is to isolate five different people in the mystery that you're praying. So for instance, if you're praying the first glorious mystery, you can picture the sleeping soldiers when you say the first Hail Mary, then the risen Jesus when you say the second, Mary Magdalene approaching the tomb with the third, John and Peter racing to the tomb, Uh, then the angel on the stone for the fifth. What I do is I I usually pick five figures and I just go through them twice, right? Or for any of the mysteries, if you don't know what to picture, you can imagine Mary, then Joseph, then Jesus, then the Blessed Sacrament, and then a mystery-specific image, like the angel of the Annunciation for your five, and go through those twice. Or you could always go through the five wounds of Christ twice. That makes 10. Or if you're in a chapel, you can pick out five images or 10 images in the chapel and switch between them. 
I'll do that if I'm uh, saying my rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I'll start with the Mary statue, then the Joseph statue, then the Sacred Heart picture, then the tabernacle, then the crucifix, right? So whatever you do, you need to picture the mysteries somehow, and you need to focus on the words. Pope Paul VI said, without contemplation, the rosary is a body without a soul, and reciting it runs the risk of becoming a mechanical repetition of formulas in violation of the admonition of Christ. Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. In other words, what he's saying is exactly what Protestants who might complain about the rosary say is literally true. It can become something that you say instead of pray. It can become an empty exercise where you're letting your mind wander while you repetitiously say words. And the rosary doesn't work that way. The rosary is an actual prayer of contemplation, which gets you in touch with Our Lady and Jesus Christ, but only if you put your heart into it and only if you focus on it, right? So you have to find a way to do that. There is a sense in which the rosary is a centering type of prayer with a kind of a rhythm and a lingering pace. This is what Paul VI says, where it kind of lulls you into a little bit of a, you wouldn't call it a trance, but you'd call it into a certain rhythm of meditation. That's fine, but you need to be focused on what you're doing and in touch with God and with Jesus Christ and with his mother. A third way to keep the rosary interesting, to keep your mind in the rosary, is to read scripture. This again comes from St. John Paul II's rosary letter. And uh, there are all sorts of books out there that you can use to find scripture that goes with the rosary. My own rosary book uh, called St. John Paul II's Rosary, which goes through a lot of these tips, uh, has at the beginning of each section, 10 scripture verses so that you could just use it as a scriptural rosary. And after that, I include some meditations. Uh, You can find that at excordia.org under prayer resources, actually just the meditations. To get the 10 verses, exactly 10, you've got to buy the book. But uh, you will find that as you read the scripture, you start to think with scripture, you start to see your life through the lens of scripture. You know, if you spend your time watching YouTubes of your favorite comedian, even an exceptional comedian, you'll find your mind is starting to think with the kind of language and imagery that that comedian uses. Uh, And you'll find it interrupting your thoughts in ways that you wouldn't expect and making you think of things that you otherwise wouldn't think of that you probably don't want to think of. Instead, Fill your mind and heart with the words of the rosary, right? And you'll find that the more you read the scripture, the more you'll start to kind of live with the scripture and live with the mysteries. You'll be joyful that God became a powerless embryo for you. Think about what these mysteries can do for you and how they will enter your life. The joyful mysteries, right? You become joyful that God himself became a powerless embryo for you, right? You'll be inspired by Mary's service to her her cousin Elizabeth to serve people in your own life. Uh, You'll be inspired by Jesus Christ, who was born in poverty to convince you to shun the fool's gold of riches. You will see him presented in the temple. And remember that you're supposed to take church and official things you do in church seriously, just like Mary and Joseph did. You'll realize that Jesus was found in the temple when Mary and Joseph lost them in their lives and realize that when you've lost him in your life, when Jesus seems to be missing, you can always go to the tabernacle and find him there. 
or the luminous mysteries. Uh, pray the luminous mysteries, kind of soak in them and understand the scripture that goes with them. You'll find that you're grateful for baptism, which is Jesus Christ giving us a shortcut to salvation, right? Uh, you'll see what he shows us at Cana, which is that not just ordinary water can become extraordinary wine, but an ordinary marriage can become an extraordinary thing through his sacrament. You'll see him proclaim the kingdom and uh, to try to entice you to follow him. He, you will see him transfigured and on Mount Tabor and realize how great and transcendent he is. Then you'll see him institute the Eucharist to show how humble and small he will be for you. And as you pray and read the scripture for the sorrowful mysteries, you'll get to meet Jesus in a whole new way and meet him as someone who agonized over your sins, was scourged in your place for your sins, carried your cross for you and asks you to help him carry it now, and then died with his arms wide open to show you that he forgives you for everything that he just suffered for you. You'll learn to be grateful for the glorious mysteries in a new way, right? His resurrection that cancels out your death, his ascension that puts you and me and us in charge of the world because he's exiting stage right, his Holy Spirit who fills our lives with meaning, purpose, and courage, and the great gift of his mother as mother of all and as our queen in heaven waiting for us to ask her for her help. So read scripture to understand the rosary better. Fourth, this is one of my favorites, uh, and I've introduced a number of people to this. The, the fourth one is to add a word after Jesus, all right? St. John Paul II talks about this in his letter on the rosary, and he actually cites Pope Paul VI as promoting it as well. And uh, some of you may have seen it in the um, book Secret of the Rosary by St. Louis de Montfort, but the idea is to add a word after Jesus and the Hail Mary. So it goes something like this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, risen from the dead. Or fruit of thy womb, Jesus, ascending into heaven. Or Jesus, pouring forth his Holy Spirit. Jesus, assuming you into heaven. Jesus, crowning you queen of heaven and earth. So we've been doing this for years, and a friend who said the rosary at our house once, now uh, one of his kids informed me, that he insists that they do that every time. And he doesn't, he says, it shouldn't even count as a rosary if you don't add in a word, because how do you know what mystery you're on, right? Uh, the words are usually pretty intuitive. In my book, you'll see some examples uh, it, of ones you can use, but it's, you know, Jesus in agony, Jesus scourged, Jesus crowned with thorns. I find the shorter they are, the, the better they are, and the more they kind of fit the rhythm of the prayer. Jesus carrying his cross, Jesus crucified, uh, etc. The two, the first two joyful mysteries are hard. So the first time you try this, you'll get the hardest two at the very beginning uh, because the action is happening before Jesus is even born, right? So the easy way to do that is just to say Jesus at the Annunciation, Jesus at the Visitation, right? Jesus at the Nativity. You can do that for any of them if, if that's easier for you. Paul VI says that doing this makes the word Jesus the focal point of the prayer, 
which he says it's the kind of center of gravity of the prayer, the Hail Mary. It's the fulcrum of the Hail Mary prayer. It's the whole point of the Hail Mary prayer. So as a Catholic dad, I try to add even more into this practice to try to teach the children more about the mystery. So in the mystery of the Annunciation, for instance, I'll say, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who is almighty God. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who at the same time was a tiny embryo, right? When the nativity, the nativity is fun. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who was born in poverty. The fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who had no crib. The fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who had no blanket. The fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who excited the angels. The fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who attracted the shepherds, and etc. You can find ways to do this for all of them. And I actually have a doctrinal rosary that's available at uh, excorde.org that gives some um, some of these more teaching methods of adding a phrase to the word Jesus. So that's the fourth recommendation. Add a uh, word to the Hail Mary after the word Jesus, after the name Jesus. Which brings me, I said that the fourth was my favorite. The fifth is my favorite, but I can't really say that because I'll feel guilty about it. But the fifth tip to make the rosary not so hard is to skip the introduction, all right? This is also totally legit. It's from St. John Paul II's letter on the rosary, and he is a saint, so you know this, you've got to be able to do this, right? I don't know if it works that way, but anyway. I've noticed over the years that the rosary's long introduction, the creed, the Our Father, the three Hail Marys, can be off-putting to children and, truth be told, can be off-putting to dads and moms as well. So I'm going to quote the Pope, the saintly Pope, so you'll know this is legit. He said, quote, In different parts of the church, there are many ways to introduce the rosary. In some places, it is customary to begin with the opening words of Psalm 70. O God, come to my aid. O Lord, make haste to help me. In other places, the rosary begins with the recitation of the creed. Uh, so we took that and ran with it, and now we say almost nothing at the beginning of the rosary. I guess we should be saying, oh, God, come to my aid. Uh, April, if you're listening to that, we've got to start adding that to the rosary. But the shorter introduction is a huge relief to the kids. Uh, it's a huge relief to other people's kids, too, when we've had them over to say the rosary. Uh, in fact, when we say rosaries out in uh public, we used to, you know, there'd be a rosary at a picnic, a homeschooling picnic of some kind. Whenever we, we would lead the rosary, we would skip the introduction. And so there was a kind of a movement among the kids to get us to be able to, to lead the rosary more often, right? Speaking of which, re- lead the rosary in public, right? This is something that I never, ever, never would have done on my own. I'm not the kind of guy who likes to pray at picnics. Uh, but kind of backed into a corner when others do it, I found that it was kind of cool, right? In fact, so uh, I told a little bit about my discovery of Jesus when I talked about uh, the five Jesuses in one of the one episode of these podcasts. Uh, but I actually learned the rosary at abortion clinics because I was traveling there with a group of people who were praying in front of abortion clinics who happened to be my new friends. I'd never said the rosary before, but I went to them because... To what they did on Saturday mornings, 
And they started saying the rosary, and that's literally where I learned to pray the rosary, right? And then I also had the great um, uh, experience of traveling somewhere. I got a ride with a friend's parents in college, and they whipped out the rosaries and said the rosary in the van, uh, which blew my mind and which I started to do after that, right? So the fifth tip is to skip the long introduction. And I'll add one more thing about that. What you'll find is, well, first of all, you find if you do it too much, your kids forget the Apostles' Creed, so you don't want to do it too much. So you find that when you return and actually do the creed, and we try to do that regularly, uh, it's a novelty. It's kind of cool to say it with the creed because that's like a new cool thing, right? And then you go back to skipping it. So those are five tips that help me pray the rosary, even though it can be difficult to pray the rosary. I wanted to share some thoughts on how to pray the rosary with children, because I think this has been invaluable in my life to be able to uh, pass the love of the rosary on to my kids. Uh, so I'll give uh, a few tips here. One is to use figurines, okay? This is something we discovered around Christmas time saying the rosary around the nativity set. And by the way, saying the rosary around your nativity set is a powerful thing, right? With the Christmas lights on and the lights down and, and it's really a magical time. But what our kids started to do was set up different mysteries with the figurines that were in the nativity set. So Mary and the angel, they would pair off for the Annunciation. Mary and maybe a Mary from another set who would become Elizabeth for the visitation. They would set up the nativity scene itself for the nativity mystery. Uh, the presentation, usually Simeon would be played by a, a wise man. Um, and then finding the temple, they would find, they would turn the nativity set around, turn the crash around so that that becomes the temple. Anyway, we discovered that Fontanini makes all sorts of figurines for these massive nativity sets that some people put together. And so we actually added piece by piece, more and more figures to this set that we have. And so now they have some pretty specific figurines for all these sets. So if you think lo kids love action figures, well, they do, and they love rosary action figures too, right? Another tip is to draw the mysteries. We actually discovered this through a product that used to be produced called the Rosary Reflections that we recommended in National Catholic Register back in the day. This is a, a method where instead of praying the rosary mysteries, the kids draw them. They actually mumble the Hail Marys along as they draw. And they come up with some pretty impressive drawings, and they come up with some pretty deep thoughts about the rosary. I remember that I had to do an article about the Holy Spirit, and I was out of ideas on what to write about uh, for the National Catholic Register, I think it was. So I asked my children to kind of tell me their thoughts on the Holy Spirit. And I got these astounding, remarkable, simple, but profound thoughts from my children about the Holy Spirit. And I realized, oh my gosh, my kids have been having deep thoughts about these mysteries. So I was introducing them to the rosary and it was really working on their hearts and souls. Another thing we do, we call the house rosary, where we tour the house we literally go from room to room. This works really well with the um, with the joyful mysteries, 
but it works. We've, we've found ways to do it with almost all of the mysteries. Sorrowful is really hard, but so for the joyfuls, you we would start and say the Annunciation in the closet where mom's maternity clothes are, right? Because that's when Mary got pregnant. For the visitation, we'd go to the kitchen because that's probably where Mary did a lot of helping of Elizabeth. And that's where we actually help prepare meals for pregnant women in our community. Uh, and then for the nativity, you'd go to the baby's crib. Sometimes the baby would actually be in the crib while we were praying it. And then you would remember, okay, Jesus was a real baby who looked like this baby, right? Uh, then for the presentation, you would go to the pictures of the baptism or whatever sacramental pictures we have up on the wall because we want to remind them that they too were presented in the temple and in the way that the church does it now. And then for the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, we would go over to the window closest to the church and kind of look off in the direction of the church where we can always find Jesus when we have lost him in our lives. The um, Another tip is the mixed up rosary. In this one, we literally write out all 20 mysteries on separate sheets of paper. We put those in a hat, and then whoever's going to be leading each decade of the rosary has to pick a paper out of the hat and lead that mystery. And it comes up with actually some really great kind of combinations. You know, you go from the crucifixion to the Annunciation to the wedding feast at Cana, and uh, you can actually discover some pretty cool connections between these mysteries without looking very hard. Last, we have a rotating leader rosary. So everybody has a rotating leader rosary where everybody does a different decade of the rosary. That's a great thing to do if you're not doing it that way, but uh, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is one person says the Our Father, then the next person says a Hail Mary, then the next person says a Hail Mary, and so on until we get to the 10th Hail Mary. Next person says a glory be, and you start over with another person saying the Our Father. And you may have recognized what I've recognized in my life, which is when I'm leading a mystery of the rosary, it goes by faster and I'm more alert to it. Um, Well, here you get a little piece of that for everybody in every mystery. We don't do this one often, but or or the mixed up rosary that often, but um, uh, we find it's a really great way to get people excited when we do. Mostly, though, what we do is we just pray the rosary, right? Uh, they'll make excuses to not pray the rosary. You pray the rosary every day, right? We ring the bell. It used to be seven thirty. Now we're doing it at eight o'clock, uh, and everyone has to come and pray the rosary. It's a great time for people to come together as a family. You'll realize quickly that you don't really come together as a family as much apart from meals uh, without praying the rosary every day. And everybody gets to say what they're thankful for from the day. Everybody gets to say what they're praying for for the next day. And you'll find that this has a huge effect on your children's lives over time. This is the main thing Pope John Paul II did to promote the rosary is he just said the rosary, right? Just saying it is its own promotion. In fact, Pope Francis wrote about how one evening he went to a rosary that was led by Pope John Paul II, and he said something about seeing this man on his knees praying the rosary made him realize how important the rosary was, uh, and he started to become committed to the rosary starting because he saw John Paul II do it. There's that old 
phrase that's kind of a quaint, we think of it as a quaint 50s phrase, the family that prays together stays together. But that phrase was actually something that Pope John Paul II said fairly often and Mother Teresa said fairly often, right? It's actually kind of profound. The family that prays together really does stay together. Because what happens is uh, you see each other and how each other works. You see what people are concerned about and what they're praying for. You see what they're thankful for. You can't tell yourself a story about how one member of your family or another just doesn't care because you see over and over again that they do. So just on a human level, the family that prays together is more likely to stay together. But, of course, it's not just a human thing that's happening. It's a supernatural thing that's happening. And being in touch as a group with God himself, with Our Lady in heaven, is powerful and it, and it brings people together. I love how uh, Pope John Paul II, in his letter to the rosary, named a number of sort of rosary saints that he uh, recommended that people have a devotion to. One is Bartolo Longo, who is a guy who actually had a kind of a um, commitment to the occult, but ended up getting out of it because he had this habit of saying the rosary. Uh, He said, just as two friends frequently in each other's company tend to develop the similar habits, so too, by holding familiar conversation with Jesus and the Blessed Virgin, by meditating on the mysteries of the Holy Rosary, and by living the same life as them through Holy Communion, we can become, to the extent of our lowliness, similar to them and can learn from their supreme models of life, humility, poverty, hiddenness, patience, and perfection. So if you spend time with Our Lady and Our Lord instead of with your favorite YouTube entertainment, you will find that you're taking on their personalities and not the personality of someone who you really don't want to be imitating. So the rosary meditations that are available at xcorde.org and are also available in my book, The Rosary of St. John Paul II, originated in the year of the rosary because Pope John Paul II was promoting the rosary. What we did is at the National Catholic Register, I wrote the meditations, we published them, and then we got inundated with letters. It was remarkable how many people wrote to us to tell us that they appreciated the rosary issue that we did, but also to tell us these stories. We heard these incredible stories of people who prayed the rosary. One story that was repeated over and over again were from people who said that they prayed the rosary with their children and their children stayed in the faith. There seemed to be a correspondence between regular praying of the rosary as a family and children staying in the faith. Now, I'm sure there's counterexamples, but there were many beautiful examples that we received in the mail. One was a a family that had 15 children, and they would each had a decade that they would lead each week. Uh, And then what happened was at the parents' 60th wedding anniversary, these families got together with all their grandchildren and said the prayer, said the rosary together at a big party, right? Then there was this story that I've never forgotten about a man who every day would say the rosary at 6.30 with his family. Uh, And if you had cheerleading practice, you said the rosary first and we were late to cheerleading practice. If you had an event to go to, you went to the event 
after the rosary was done, right? If some, if you brought a friend over for dinner, they said the rosary with you at 6.30. Uh, this man was very faithful to the rosary. And in his old age, when he went to the hospital and he was basically on his deathbed in the hospital, his adult children came to visit him and said the rosary around his hospital bed. And then as the rosary completed, his heart stopped and he died. And they looked at the watch and it was exactly 6.30, right? So sort of Our Lady telling them that this commitment to the rosary is real and that the promise of the Hail Mary, you know, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, is one that Our Lady will take seriously and that we'll be grateful for for a lifetime. For eternity, really. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hoops, and this is the Catholic Living Podcast produced by Ex Corde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. Visit us at excorde.org.